Good morning, Charles River Church, internet YouTube lady, as I call it. My name is Antoine Brewster, aka DJ Triple Threat, aka Triple, aka Ant, aka Taunt. We got a lot of nicknames. Uh, I am the pastor resident here at Charles River Church. Going to be planting along with my brother Kyle right here in the rest of our team for Crossroads Fellowship Church in Dorchester. Early next year, till then, I'm here and I am blessed to be here. And today we'll be continuing in our series called Questions. You have a lot of questions, Jesus has answers. And the awesome thing about uh, this whole series is that we're looking at the fact that Jesus was asked hundreds of questions. The funny thing is he didn't give direct answers to every single question. He answered questions with more questions. The way I look at this is that a wise teacher will push you to think about why you are asking this or even to challenge why you're asking a certain question that may not be within the right intentions. We see this with the Pharisees, we see this with the Roman soldier, and many more examples throughout scripture. But today I want to hone in on one particular question, but before we get to that question, think about life, right? Sometimes when we question things, remember I said before, what's the intention? Sometimes our intention might be out of the wrong spirit, out of the wrong heart. And sometimes those questions are because of what we're dealing with, the situations we got going on in life. Sometimes we question things like, when will my provision come in a matter of food or clothing or even that dream house? And we just, well, we're still in a pandemic, we're slowly coming out of it, you know, saying, say, I'll start from the beginning, you know, I right here to the end, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we question, when will the pandemic end? Uh, we'll question like on our jobs, when will I get promoted? When will I make more money? When will I finish school? Will I make it to the next grade? Will I have to go to summer school? How will I take care of my family? Questions that cause anxiety and feelings of worry. But let me give an example of that from the past year. You guys remember March? In fact, let's go on the timeline. Let's jump into the into the time machine. Let's go back to March 2020. We're hearing about, oh, we're gonna have to shut down for a little bit because of the pandemic in order to uh, flatten the curve, right? What did some people do? They panicked, they were anxious. And I don't get why people do this. They bought up all the milk, bread, and eggs. I don't know, if you have an answer for why people do that, I don't know. But then they also brought tons of toilet paper and paper towels. And what happened? There was a lack thereof. You go on the Target and they have like, caution tape, you know, those aisles after something bad happened, or you're limited to two per person. So then, what I'm seeing on the news or even YouTube, people are like trying to sell off their surplus. You know, they had an abundance of toilet paper. Can you imagine someone have a throne of toilet paper? <laughs> that was the past year. And we didn't really get to buy as much toilet paper or paper towels, whatever, items you need to purchase till like late last year because people worried and they were anxious about what the next step is, what the next event is, what the next day is, trying to survive. I get it. But the scripture we're gonna be looking at today, Jesus is gonna teach us to not be anxious about tomorrow. And that is gonna be for those who are listening, for those who have their Bibles about what happens, we're gonna be in the book of Luke today. Chapter 12, looking specifically at verses 22 through 26. So while you're scrolling through your app, get your Bible, or you're just going to be listening 
just want to encourage y'all to just really listen in to the words of Jesus this morning. And I hope you guys will be very encouraged, even have a new mindset, having the mind of Christ around anxiety. And I'm going to be talking about a very specific type of anxiety, because there's levels to it, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, beginning with verse 22. These are the words of Jesus saying. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you, us, than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her span of life? That if then you were not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And to go back in for today's two questions, we go back to verses 25 and 26. That I reiterate. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her lifespan? Sit on that for a second. Then verse 26. If then you were not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? In other words, what is causing you to worry, to be anxious, to be fearful, even to try to gain some kind of control to grasp onto something so that some cataclysmic event doesn't happen, causes you to be anxious about, I gotta control this thing, right here so that I know what's going to happen next. But as we know, that's not the way life works. I want you to think about these questions in lieu of how the Bible, how, how life has been overwhelming for all of us this past year. At different levels for some of us throughout this past year. Then think, how have you been trusting God with his providing and leading you through life in this past year? Some of us grew in faith in this past year. That's true. Some of us struggle in faith, and that's okay. You're still here. You're still believing. But then some of us, and I know people who have lost faith, even turned to other false religions in this past year. It's crazy. We just experience some level of anxiety, trying to make amends, meet ends, not break a bend, or all the while trying to look to he who was ever sent, who is Jesus. An interesting thing with scripture a lot of times, right? When we see these therefore statements, we know that something preceded it. And this is Jesus giving teaching and understanding. So let's go back to verse 13 to 21. I'm not going to read it. But for many of y'all who know, this is the parable of the rich fool. And Jesus gives this parable in response because he's teaching at this point in time uh, to a group of people. And someone interrupts his teaching and says, hey, teacher, or in the text says, hey, rabbi, which means teacher, says, can you please make this person give me half their inheritance? And Jesus says to the person, man, who made me your judge or your arbiter to decide who gets what money, what amount of money? And he says, here is this, this parable of a rich fool. Basically, we can assume this person was a farmer because they had a very successful crop this particular year. And they thought to themselves, hmm, what am I going to do with all these crops? So essentially, they said, I know, I will tear down the barn that I have, and I will build new storehouses to store my crops. So they're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about anything else. 
Because what do they say? So that for many years to come, I have this cross, I can live a life of leisure, eating, drinking, and being merry. Uh, how foolish is this person here? Because what Jesus says further, you fool, do you not realize that tomorrow your life will be donated of you by robbers? Then you don't even leave an inheritance for, or even like a will to give others what you have after you have passed away. You know what I'm saying? So the crazy thing with this person is some of us have resembled this person in the past year. How many of us have looked like this? Hoarding, trying to store away, trying to hide before the winters of life comes. We can't prepare for everything that's going to hit us. We don't know what's going to happen. Just the other day, there was a famous backup player for the 76ers, 64 years old, played 12 years in the 70s and 80s, died in a biking accident Friday night. You just never know. You're living life today, gone the next. You can't prepare for those kinds of things. Anxiety does not add a single hour to our lives. It does not change anything. Really what it is, it is stress. It is fear of the unknown. It is panic-inducing. It is isolating. Put yourself in a box, put yourself in a place, hoping that, oh man, this, as long as I'm here, nothing will affect me. I know people who they're so fearful of making a change, taking that next step. It's been 10 years and they're still in the same place as before, but now I'm looking at others having a set of comparison. You can't be doing that. In fact, look at some stats. There's a few stats, I'm a stat nerd. In 2017, these are from the CDC and from Statista.com, if you want to verify what I'm saying. In 2017, 3.7% of people around the world struggle, struggle with anxiety. Clearly, being in this pandemic a year, like three months almost now, I'm pretty sure that number is higher. In 2020, 32% of US adults had dealt, were more anxious than they were in 2019. The studies have also shown that women deal with more anxiety-based disorders than men. This sums up that anxiety is a real issue in our society and that we have to remember this reality, that God cares for us when we are going through these things. In fact, 2 Timothy, this is for you, those who are taking notes, those who are listening, 2 Timothy, Verse 1 and 7. This is actually one of these verses I highly recommend and encourage you to memorize. This is blessing in my life. Paul writes this For the Spirit of God gave us, or the Spirit that God gave us, does not make us anxious or timid. But He gives us power, love, and self discipline. For the Holy Spirit, there is power, that is His grace. There is His love and the ability to walk in self control, and that is all by God's grace. Then there are other forms of anxiety. The Lord does He walks with us through them. Because the kind of anxiety I'm gonna be breaking down further is the kind that, like that worry, that we need to have self-control within. These other forms of anxiety I refer to in terms of those statistics. Uh, the Lord brings forth healing and counseling and different things like that. You know, but the form of anxiety that the Lord is addressing is the kind where you're trying to promote your own self-interest, your own self-survival. An anxiety that does not trust God's provision, that does not trust his leading. And his, the fact that we need to remember that God knows what we need. Got more questions for you to ask yourself internally. This is a rhetorical. 
Have I had anxiety about what I will eat? Have I had anxiety about what I will wear? About where I will live? Further, have I had anxiety about school? Will I graduate on time? Will I make A's and B's? Like I said before, when I go to summer school, some of us have anxieties about a career. We're scared we'll lose our job. We're scared to go back into the office. Some of us don't have a job right now. We wonder if I make less money if I go back to a career. So we stay in this place instead of going back into the workforce. We have anxiety about relationships, about family, reconciliation, will we get married, will we have kids? All these different things that we're anxious about. Remember, God cares. There are many questions we can ask ourselves, but God will ask all of us this question, and it is, have you given me your cares? Have you given me your burdens? And the Apostle Peter answers this question for us in his word. And that is in 1 Peter 5, 7. And this is what God says to us. Give all your worries and cares to me, for I care about you. I want to repeat that again. Because these are comforting words right in the scriptures. 1 Peter 5, 7. God says to us, give me all your worries and all your cares, for I care about you. Here's how much God cares for us. Remember I read about the ravens, how God feeds them? If you know or maybe you don't know, in the Old Testament, ravens were considered unclean birds based on their law. But yet God feeds them. And remember that Jesus says, how much more are you greater and higher in God's scale than birds? We are created in his image, in his likeness. And then when you read further, I didn't read this in the text, but when you read further, the Lord even says, consider the wildflowers, or some translations, the lilies. They were dressed in a raid, in greater apparel, in a ray, or as the kids say, drip, you know, the outfit. Then even King Solomon, then royalty, lilies. God clothes them, so how much more will he not clothe us? I hope this is encouraging those on um, speaking this, that God is not, his hand is not short to provide. His hand is not short to lead and guide. And then it also says that, Pagans or unbelievers, and this is in the shot, this is what the scriptures say, chase after the things of their flesh, of their mind. It's that first instinct to go after whatever they can eat or drink. But the Lord said, do not do this. Rather, seek my kingdom first, and all these things will be given to you. I want you guys to take home three main points. If you haven't listened to anything I've been saying this whole time, here are three main points that you can really hone in on. And point one is that he... God is our treasure. We must be rich towards God, not the things of this world. For tomorrow isn't promised. We mustn't assume what the next day holds. And being rich towards God is when God is our treasure, when the things of his kingdom, his will, is what we treasure, and what we store in our hearts. James 4, 13 and 15 says, Basically, that we shouldn't say, I'm going to do this tomorrow and that tomorrow. Rather, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this and we will do that. And this same attitude applies to us when we feel anxious. Anxiety will have us in a holding pattern, seeking to control what will happen. Or worse, we end up in the place, even worse, since we cannot control what happens. We need God's peace. We need God's peace. That surpasses our own anxieties and our own desires that we can fully trust him knowing that he knows what tomorrow holds. Point two, we must remember that God is our 
treasure. I mean, our provider, excuse me. God is our provider. That was the first point, that he's our treasure. Second point, God is our provider. Jesus wants us to trust him and know that he will provide all that we need in every single area of our lives. Not to just patch the same, but even beyond food, clothing, where we live. Even greater than that. It is important to remember, as I said before, God regards us highly as his children because we are created in his image. Here's a for your hearing. Don't turn to it. First Timothy 6, 6-8 says this. Of course, godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot carry anything out of it. Verse 8 is what I want us to really hold on to. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these things. God provides all things. We can be content knowing that God knows. In fact, I think of in the Bible, there was a woman who had a son, and she had like literally just enough flour and oil to bake just one last cake. And they said, we'll eat this last cake, then we'll die. The Lord sent the prophet Elisha, and he says, bake that cake for me. This lady's like, who's this man I don't know? <laughs> the man didn't make this cake. I like apple pie. So he's gonna say he, he's like, make me an apple pie, please. And <laughs> you know, essentially she made it. And the man of God was fed. But what did the Lord do? All of a sudden her oil jar kept overflowing. Her flower bag kept overflowing. And they realized this man of God came and blessed us. We were obedient to what the Lord has said for us to do, and he's providing every single thing. Now this was miraculous. Not to say God doesn't work in miracles because I see He works in miracles still playing throughout this world. I mean, I got stories. You know, the Lord will provide every single need. When, in fact, let me give you part of, let me give you a story of mine. Oh man, I remember when I had got fired from a job in December 2010 and I had just enough money to pay my rent for January and I had just enough groceries to last me about three weeks. I was prideful, I was depressed. I didn't want to tell anyone I was running out of groceries, and I'm like, I'm just going to apply for jobs, watch anime, watch sports and play video games, just stay in my house. I'm hungry then. I wasn't really telling anyone everything that was going on. That was me. That was wrong. One of my friends really felt impressed by the Lord to call me and say, hey, what's going on with the groceries? I'm like, I didn't tell this, this dude nothing. And I'm like, well, I'm running out. It's like, but you don't have to help me. I'm good. He's like, no, you're not. I'll be over in two hours. Dude comes with like 10 bags of groceries. So I'm like... Thank you, Jesus. We're going to a you know? But the Lord knew what I need. He was Jehovah Jireh, my provider in that moment. You just never know how the Lord is going to move, but trust Him to move, because He will. Even when I was in that situation, depressed, running out of money, and too prideful to tell anybody, but don't do that. God will provide. And point three, He is our confidence. Excuse me one second. A lot of times I preach, I get dry mouth. I apologize just a second. All right. So point three, he is our confidence. The Lord does not give us the spirit of fear or anxiety like I had quoted before from that first Timothy verse, point blank period. He does not give us, impute into us, a spirit of fear and anxiety. That is not the Holy Spirit. Perfect love casts out all fears when it says in first John, and Jesus is the perfect one whose love is perfect, and he casts out all of our fears and all of our anxieties. He is the sovereign God who stopped the sun from setting in the book of Joshua chapter 10 so that the Israelites can keep fighting when there's daylight against their enemies. If God can stop time, literally stop time, stop the earth from rotating, stop the sun from moving from one nation that he created 
so that they can win the battle and keep moving forward. It's more to the story, but I'm just saying, like, if God can do that, and that's the grand event, stop time. You know what I'm saying? You would think he, I mean, granted, was Superman moving the movie, made the earth go back around, but Jesus, Superman's fictional. Jesus is real. We can trust in that God. We can put our confidence in that God. We're going to throw away our confidence. We're going to throw away our faith. God knows these things. It is a little thing for him to provide our needs or to answer our prayers or walk with us in the time of need. Why do I say it's a little thing? Because God just does it. He's good like that. That's what he does. We can be confident in him. He will not fail. He will not lie. He will not sin. He can't, even the Bible says he can't do those things. So we must have a confidence in him. We need to keep our faith in him, knowing that he will do this in accordance to his word. The fact that Jesus came with the sinless life, was accused falsely, was put on a cross, which was punishment for those who defied Rome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was innocent, literally sinless and innocent to the standards of his day. Was died, put in a borrowed tomb, because he wasn't going to stay dead for long, and rose up three days later, conquering sin, death, and the grave, just as he said he was, especially in John 10. He did it by his own power. This is God, y'all. If he can do that, he can walk with us when we're anxious about what tomorrow's going to hold, when we're worried about how we're going to put food on the table, or... You know, how we gonna, uh, what are we going to wear, that next job interview, you know, when you get married, and when you get married, you know, you're going to have kids. God is still in the business of doing miracles. He's still in the business of answering prayer. We don't have to be anxious for nothing. We don't have to throw our confidence away. Let me give a, a recent example. May 11th, you guys might have heard about this story. There was the colonial pipeline that got hacked by a group of hackers, which basically meant they held it up for ransom, a ransomware attack. They said, unless you give us $5 million, people will not be able to pump out any more gas or put in any additional gas. So people are literally, I mean, lines at, the, at different gas stations in the Midwest and the South, I think parts of the West Coast, where people were recycling gas. Imagine people having lots of shopping bags, Tupperware, <laughs> you know, water jugs, filling it with gas because they're anxious about, oh man, I'm gonna get to work, how am I gonna do this and do that? Eventually, a week later, the $5 million was paid in cryptocurrency. I mean, cryptocurrency, like wow. And they basically allowed access back to the colonial pipeline. But what this caused, here's the problem when we have just an impulsive, anxious reaction. There's always some kind of consequence. Gas prices went up in those, in those parts of the country that were affected. There were long lines. People were not able to get gas in their vehicles. They weren't able to do what they needed to do, to go to and fro. And also, they look crazy. There's tons of memes. I wasn't making fun of them, but I'm like, I get it. I'm not going to say, oh, look at these people here. No, I'm, I was praying for those people within the situation. I'm not going to act like I wouldn't act that way, because never say never, to quote the great prophet Justin Bieber, Joe, Joe, Joe. You know, the song, never say never. I always say that joke. I kind of shaking his head. But never say never. Trust God. He will provide all things. So do not be like the rich fool in the parable who is rich only in leaky containers of gas and trying to siphon trying to get to the next day, but not rich in God who provides all things, who knows what we're thinking, who knows what we're feeling, who loves us with an 
great love, an agape love that is unconditional, not based on what we say, do, or think. He will provide all things because he knows all things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray out and then ask the uh, worship team to please come up as I'm wrapping up. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise your name, Lord God, for we know you are Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Jireh in Hebrew, which means the God who provides. <laughs> That's not just an Old Testament thing. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, is what the writer of Hebrews saying, Lord, we thank you that you will provide every single need, food, clothing, shelter, <laughs> a, a job, um, direction, understanding, wisdom, uh, a car to get to where we need to get to, Lord, a spouse, you name it, Lord God. Um, you're just that awesome. You're just that amazing. As Jesus teaches, it's not hard for you to do. But we, Lord, must put our faith in you, trust in you, seeking first your kingdom, seeking first your will, Lord God. You know these things. From Old Testament and New Testament to the history post book of Acts, we know that you will provide all these things. So even everyone here, under the sound of my voice, will you comfort each and every single one of us? May you show how you are the big, big God, able to provide. And Lord, may we have hands of surrender and not just hands open looking to receive. After we have surrendered, when you are ready to give the good gifts, we are the great gift giver. May we have our hands open ready to receive and then put it back up in thanksgiving saying, Lord, thank you for you are my provider, my way maker. We thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.